and welcome to the Allegory Story Podcast. My name is Melanie Nevis. And I'm Tegan Aline. And uh, today we are going to be talking about probably one of the most famous figures in Slavic folklore. Ooh. Any guesses? Well, actually, you already know who I don't want to guess because <laughs> I know who we're already going to talk about. But do, you, but do you, the audience, do you have any guesses? <laughs> Slavic folklore. <laughs> yeah, she's often depicted as a supernatural, bony old crone with long teeth who lives deep in the forest bony old crone. <laughs> in a magical house <laughs> perched on chicken legs, which is a dead giveaway, surrounded by glowing skulls. And sometimes- Who else do you know that has a house with chicken legs coming out of the bottom? <laughs> Sometimes she flies around in a giant mortar using the pestle to guide and steer her. Oh, seriously? And I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So any guesses? Baba Yaga. <laughs> Yay, Baba Yaga. I love I Personally, I just very much enjoy saying that name, Baba Yaga. Oh, is it one of those things where you shouldn't say it three times into a mirror? I don't know. I saw that on a show. I think that's that's not an accurate. That's Bloody it. Mary. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting things mixed up. It's all line. The lines are blurred. <laughs> the lines are blurred. That's that's Bloody Mary. Although we could totally do something on that and like I don't know. I'd rather not. I don't know. That still kind of spooks me out. I guess it's back from my like childhood days, but this kind of scares me. My thing about the one thing, and I told you about this before uh, we decided to do this recording, was the one thing that drives me nuts about Baba Yaga is the reference of that name <laughs> in the John Wick series. Yeah. I'm going to put it out before we get into the stories, but I just want to say I, I have no idea why they decided to name John Wick's character Baba Yaga. I understand the Eastern reference, but that's like other than that, like what's the point? Because it's like a woman. <laughs> it's like a totally different. Yeah. I don't get it. Anyways. It's, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff about this, but basically... Mm. He, he's kind of like the Russian boogeyman, I guess. So the name right. is a reference to the Baba Yaga, which reflects John's history with the mob. Right. Although it's misinterpreted as like a Russian boogeyman. It's absolutely misinterpreted, I think. That's yeah. the most that I could find. It's really shit. It's 100%. Yeah. What so do they, you know? Oh, what sorry, I know about Baba Yaga? Yeah, no, but no, go it's ahead. Good. Who cares? Say? Who cares? John Wick, that was dumb. I love I love the movies, but don't do that again. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> That's all we need to say about that. What do I know about Baba Yaga? Not much. Um, the things that I know uh, are like what you said, that she's kind of like a crone type mm -hmm. witch. So older, she's kind of depicted as like scary and maybe like um, – malevolent like a, a bad spirit and i know that she has a house that has two chicken legs underneath it and it like runs around kind of like Howl's moving castle but different and um that's pretty much what i know i i know very little about her folklore but i'm very interested because you don't see many folklores around that kind of style of you mentioned Hell's Moving Castle, but, you know, in Spirited Away, the bathhouse proprietor is actually kind of <gasps> modeled a little after Baba Yaga. That totally tracks. I right? see that. I see that <laughs> yeah. so, so hard. I love I love that character. 
so much and I'm so obsessed with her nose and like the lines on her face and it's all very interesting. But yeah, I get what you're saying. I could see that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. And yeah, like I was saying, she sometimes she doesn't fly around on a broom. She flies around in a mortar and uses the pestle to guide her when she's flying. That's cool. That's so cool. But yeah. I wonder also wonder why that. Like those are really heavy. How does it fly? That's a stupid joke. <laughs> but, 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 you know, like, why a motor and pestle? You know? I tried I tried to figure out why, and I couldn't really find anything on the why. I think maybe it's just, um, I don't know, like, I don't know. I feel like that was something that was used. That was a tool that was frequently used at the time. Yeah, I that's what I was In just the area of too. the world that, like, in the Slavic area of the world where – it kind of started, um, and she's got room to kind of move around in the mortars. Like, it's a little more comfortable than a broom if you're an old lady. I don't know. Maybe you should explain what that is quickly, just because, like, unless you're, like, really into food and you love grinding up spices like we do, but not everybody does, <laughs> maybe you don't even know what that is. Um, a mortar is, like, a bowl, and it's often – you can get it – some people have wooden mortars uh, – I prefer mine to be made of granite or marble, like a hard stone. Yeah, I have um, a stone one and, as well. Yeah. And then it is a little rough on the inside so that when you put spices in there and you use your pestle to grind the spices. It's a man it's a it's a manual grinder, basically. It's basically like the old school man like before you ground spices with like a, a machine or even like I know that in Italy they make um pesto mm-hmm. with the with a mortar and pestle. And um basically it's basically like the original it's kind of like an early way of being able to grind and kind of mix things together Mm -hmm. to really like pull their flavors out but I guess you know if you're using different spices or different herbs and you want to pull something like out of it that would be a tool that a manual hand tool that you would use and the like in terms of food the flavor is really good that's why people still use it to this day well, yeah, because if you grind spices fresh from a whole seed or whatever, mm. uh, as opposed to getting something pre-ground, it's just going to be way more flavorful. Kind of unrelated, but my favorite thing to do in the kitchen, it's like my secret, actually. I probably shouldn't be telling it, but I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> is I, I love toasting cumin and then putting mm. it in my motor and pestle and grinding it and then it just like like cumin seeds and then it just like opens up that flavor so hardcore and I put it in everything and people are always like what is that and I'm like it's toasted cumin such a a good flavor such a good flavor yeah okay cool that would be fun (laughs) I I would love to fly around in one of those (laughs) yeah it'd be cool right yeah so I didn't really know a whole lot about her either and, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm very intrigued. Like, I know that she lives in this wild, crazy house. And I remember going to Burning Man one year, house. and that was actually one of the installations. Oh, really? A Baba Yaga house, which was really, really cool. And it was on chicken legs, and you could go up into it. Wow. And, <laughs> yeah. It was really cool. It was very, very cool. Um, but she's often, I think, seen as this really sinister. Like, that's the impression that I, I – would get but that be she'd be like really scary and sinister yeah kind of like the classical depiction of a old evil witch kind of right yeah Mm -hmm. i think so and so like there's a lot of tales of her exploits and they vary but typically 
uh, upon doing research, she typically does three things. She either helps, imprisons, or eats people. <laughs> oh, she eats people. Usually children. Is this like – I just heard Calypso <laughs> in the background go, like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that where the I don't want to jump ahead I don't want to jump ahead I'll try to remember this question for later I'm wondering if that <laughs> relates to other myths witches that eat people and eat children like Hansel and Gretel like is there a connection there like uh, La Voisin <laughs> well she doesn't eat them she just kills them a lot she was just killing them yeah she wasn't she eating them just kills them a lot um, why eat them when you have French food to eat <laughs> She cackles into the mic. <laughs> that was a funny joke. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. So, yeah, basically across folklore and sometimes within a single story, the Baba Yaga shifts between being a very maternal helper to mm. being a cannibalistic villain. So she's a very complicated, multifaceted character. And she is kind of like the, the personification of death, but is also regarded as having a really important role in relation to fertility and fate. So she's this complex manifestation of origin myth, myths and, and shifting cultural anxieties, I think, because, mm, you know, yeah, the Baba Yaga, sense. yeah, the earliest written record of the Baba Yaga is only in 1755. Oh, as part of a discourse on Slavic folk figures in Mikhail Lomonosov. Try that again. <laughs> it's hard. Why did we decide to do this with all of these names? I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I ask myself that. Uh, Mikhail Lomonosov's book, Russian mm. Grammar, a book on Russian grammar. And before that, she appeared in woodcut art from the 17th century and Ooh, then kind of made regular – Yeah. And then she made regular appearances, appearances in books of Russian fairy tales and folklore. But right. she's relatively recent. In a way, yeah. You know, we've been talking about goddess witches that are, like, really, really old. But, but she's I feel like the, the wood carvings might – give way to an idea of um like a, a verbal like storyline that's like passed down maybe that's not written that, that's yeah, just sorry. it yeah no 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 that that's just it that's 100 true like we have hmm. so that's the earliest written version but you know uh even with Perot recording or writing things down or Jan Batista writing things down these are still all oral tales so the origins yeah. of Baba Yaga go back way further than the 17th century in ancient hmm. Slavic beliefs, there were three planes of existence. So there's the middle world where we experience life as we know it. So we live in the middle world. Okay. The upper world, which all deities call home. And then the lower world, which is a mystical realm of earthly delights where plant spirits, power animals, and mythical beings reside. And Baba Yaga makes her domain oh, in the lower world where oh. she communes with these magical creatures. So- if you think of the lower world as the spirit world, yes, and yeah. then her ease of traversing between the middle world and the lower world kind of underlines her role as a mediator between the living and the dead. Right. Okay. Do you have to be dead to be in the lower world? Well, no. it's a spirit world. So I think so. It's like magical, mystical creatures and spirits. 
And in this context, spirits can't go into the upper world. That's just for like the the high level. That's just for deities. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So like you can commune with the mystical. Yeah. It's interesting, right? The lower world sounds cooler, to be honest. I know. Cool. I 100% agree. <laughs> yeah. I 100% agree. I'm like power animals and all this stuff. That sounds awesome. So some scholars believe that she may have originally been a Slavic goddess of death and earth mother known as Iagaya Baba. Oh, wow. Okay. Others say she's a Slavic analog of the Greek deity Persephone. So if you remember, Persephone is this goddess of spring and nature, also goddess of the underworld. Yeah. And... Others argue that she was initially the personification of nature, which can be cruel mm. or kind. Right. And she's often associated with woods and forests and like the wilderness of nature. Here we go again. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's there's no single interpretation of her origin that's universally agreed upon. And okay. the same is actually kind of true in, of her name. So... When you hear Baba Yaga, what what do you think? Well, I think I think it's really interesting, you know, that we're seeing with her with Baba Yaga, and we've seen in other um, stories that we've explored in this season, uh, this connection between Earth and death. Because I mm-hmm. think, like, often in our society today, we think of Earth as life, and it's always life. But we're also more disconnected from Earth than we have been in a long time, and. The reality is there is tons of death that comes with nature and it's everywhere. So I think it's very interesting that we keep seeing this this kind of um, story wrapped up into a particular deity. But uh, it sounds it sounds really, really, really interesting. And it feels like it makes a lot of it it makes a lot of sense in terms of Baba Yaga being this maternal mother figure and then also being like connected to the death rite and things like that yeah that's interesting that's cool I think that with you living in the countryside as well and like correct me if I'm wrong but I think that since you've moved out there you have had a lot more experience in dealing with death Death and on every corner death death a lot more corner yeah yeah and it's just you know in the city we might see it occasionally, but we have people that come and clean roadkill regularly, and mm, like, yeah, we don't. We're just here. a little <laughs> more buffered and sheltered to, from it. And if you live yeah. out of a city, you are much more likely to see it on a regular basis, and not even necessarily as the result of human interference, because that's a lot of the reason that things die in the city is because of humans. Yeah, no, here it's like literal nature just kind of like doing its thing. It's true, because I I was born and raised in the city, and living out here the last, I think, three or four years now has been the first time I've fully ever lived out in this outside rurally. And we live quite in a rural place, like to the point where if you're driving home at a certain hour, you'll see like a pack of like eight wild boar, like crossing the road and going off into the forest, or you'll see foxes and all foxes, fox. Anyway, you'll see a lot of different animals around here. But in the same way, you'll also see uh, a lot. I've seen some pretty gruesome things. I won't get into it, but you'll see, you see a lot of death of animals around here too. The nicest yeah. story I have is that Lena spent a week bringing home bones of a fox 
to us. Like she didn't kill the fox. She just found the bones like after the whole body had been decayed. Yeah, yeah. I remember you showing me the the skull. Yeah, we kept we on, kept on the skull. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We mm-hmm. kept the skull because it was really beautiful. Like we cleaned it and everything. We kept that. But she also brought home the hips and the rib cage, and yeah. we didn't want to keep the whole thing, so um, <laughs> we didn't. Uh, but yeah, it was like a week practice, and that was like when we first moved out here, and it was really <laughs> You're like, oh gosh. <laughs> Yeah, Come what on. have I done? Yeah, but it was really – it really – what it did give me exactly what you're saying is like that mm-hmm. sense of um, nature being kind of like it can be an unruly thing in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. you know. And and even, you know, just we have an owl also living in the barn and seeing seeing the, the stuff the owl leaves around, it, it sounds majestic and beautiful and I love owls, but like – Seeing the real life of that owl is like day and night from what I perceive as like an owl in terms of oh, like yeah. they regurgitate the little bones of stuff that they eat and yeah yeah they do yeah they do yeah and they're all upstairs <laughs> in my in the barn over top my husband's <laughs> workshop so yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so I totally get what you're saying and I agree yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's get back to the name itself, Baba Yaga. Mm-hmm. When you hear the name Baba Yaga, is there a specific oh. word that comes to mind or like a specific? Oh, I didn't know. Sorry. I mind? didn't realize you're asking me about the name itself. Baba reminds me of like, like Papa, like, or, or like a grandparent's name. I don't know why. Yeah. Babushka. Yaga, I don't That's know. That's why. Yes. Babushka. Babushka. Yeah. Babushka. Oh yeah. yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it reminds me the of the Russian that. word for grandmother's babushka. And that's mm-hmm. kind of one theory of where baba kind of comes from. So, it could refer to a it could also refer to a midwife, a sorceress or a fortune teller. The standard word for it is babushka, but and here's an interesting thing, baba in modern Russian is a pejorative term for uh women or a woman. It's a, say, sorry, can you say that again? It's, it's a pejorative term for a woman. So uh, oh. a pejorative term, do you know what that means? No. Okay, that's okay. It means that it expresses contempt or disapproval. Oh, so, so it's like oh. an insult. It can be. Yeah. Really? Yeah. In modern, in modern Russian, apparently, this is what I've read in like some scholarly articles and stuff, but apparently Baba in modern Russian is also a pejorative term for woman. Interesting. Which is interesting. That's weird. But is that why, because of her, that that becomes that way? Or it was like that before? That I would have to like go into the etymology of it a little bit more. It's, it's all like, it's a little, it's a little convoluted. Um, but yeah, so it could refer to midwife, sorceress, and fortune teller. It's also a derivative of babushka, which is just like a really fun word to say. <laughs> I was trying which so hard not to laugh. You know. Sorry, what does it mean? <laughs> which means grandmother. It's the Russian word for grandmother is babushka. I was trying so hard not to laugh while we were talking about it, just just because there was like during COVID, there was a social media trend of babushka. And it was like <laughs> young girls dressing up like babushka. And and so it was like dressed like, I, I think when you think of uh, babushka in the typical sense, you think of like the 
the scarf wrapped around yeah. the head and yep. like a kind of like a granny dressed in all black, yep. you know, like with totally. a cane. So they yeah. were dressing like that, but like with big lips and they would just like turn around really quick and be like, babushka, you know, and it was like this whole, <laughs> it was like this whole thing play on words and it was really, really funny. So I was trying not to laugh at that because like, that's what it reminds me of. But I realized it's kind of like a serious thing, but that, 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 moment was, <laughs> that moment in social media history was funny. <laughs> um, the origin for the word yaga is a little bit more obscure and it's a lot of linguists have come up with different interpretations, but as a whole, mm. it, as a whole, like yaga, like it can include disease, illness, horror, chill. It's been linked to like wicked wood nymph, witch, evil woman, wow. rage, fury, anger, torture. Like linguists are very perplexed by this and it, and it could be derived from a lot of these different things. But mm. ultimately now, Baba Yaga is just kind of meant to mean grandmother witch. Okay. Interesting. I love evil wood nymph. Like when did the nymphs yeah. become evil, guys? Come on. I don't know. I don't know. So she possesses, Baba Yaga possesses a duality, right? She's almost mm. a heroine sometimes. Sometimes she's a villain. A lot of times she's a villain. Mm. <laughs> um, she is ambiguous and cunning and commands fear and respect, awe and desire. She's Sounds just cool like, to me. she's, yeah, she's this dual figure. And she is 100% an elemental force. There's, mm. she doesn't really have any definable intentions. She does terrible things, but she, is willing to help those who prove themselves. And yeah. if you think about even the house itself with like mm -hmm. its gnarled pair of chicken legs mm -hmm. is an elemental yeah. force of its own, right? Like it is believed to be alive as much as a hut can be alive. It mm. possesses its own personality. It roves around the forest, like, you know, potentially seeking <gasps> oh, out those who okay. need the Baba Yaga. I've always so, wondered like, what that was all about, the, the feet. Yeah. 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 I think oh, it's like an okay. elemental force. That's and so cool. inside, the Baba Yaga is often depicted at a spinning wheel. And originally, the thread oh. is from the innards of the dead. And some mm. say that her teeth and nose and breasts are made of iron and that her hair is this knot of writhing snakes. So she's like depicted in this really gruesome kind of way, but she also has this gift of prophecy and can impart great wisdom. I was going to say the spinning wheel thing is always connected to prophecy and fortune telling mm -hmm. and it feels like a collection of a lot of things that have been – she she sounds in a way like from what you're saying, like a collection of a lot of these things of women that, get, that have gotten vilified through history, right? Exactly. Like even the snakes. Yeah. 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 Hi, she sounds cool. That she sounds really her. cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, just don't be a dick about it and you'll probably be fine. <laughs> well, that's just it, right? So <laughs> if you if you wish to benefit from Baba Yaga's gifts, you have to go through a bit of a journey first to find her. Mm. And then mm. she's going to test you. And you okay. have to be able to survive her demanding tests and tasks. And you also have to answer her questions correctly. So, yeah, she's she's like, she'll, she'll, she'll help you out. But you have to do a bunch of stuff and prove yourself first. And that means that you have to answer questions correctly. And then you mm -hmm. have to do all of the stuff. So one of the most 
famous stories in which Baba Yaga appears is in a story called uh, Vasilisa the Beautiful. And mm. it's a Cinderella-like tale in that oh, Vasilisa is living happily with her mother and father until she's about eight years old. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really nice. And I don't know if really I'm saying pretty. it correctly, but that's how I'm going to say it. <laughs> but I like the way you're saying it. It's pretty. Cool. <laughs> um, uh, so she, she's living happily with her mom and dad until she's about eight years old, at which point her mom falls ill. Aww. And her mom is on her deathbed, her, her deathbed and calls Vasilisa over. And she gives her this magical doll to help her throughout her life. And tells Vasilisa that she must always keep the doll with her. She must keep it secret from everyone else. And she must offer it food and drink whenever she's facing some challenge in order to receive help. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a magical doll involved, which is kind of (laughs) cool. You've got to feed it. It sounds like an offering, right? Like Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So she does this. She carries it around with her, keeps it secret with her, keeps it safe. No one knows about it. And after her mother's death, her father, like shortly after, marries a woman with two daughters. And wow, it's they are really all, Cinderella-y. Mm-hmm, they are all envious of her beauty. And they give her a lot of difficult tasks and chores to do. And they abuse her, really. And her father doesn't really know that any of this is going on. He's often away on business trips. Shocking. So he just has no clue. And Vasilisa is always able to accomplish these tasks, but only with the help of her doll. So she just always has it on her. She keeps it sacred at all times. And because of this, this doll does these tasks. So if she has to, like, I don't know, clean up the embers and sweep up the chimney but she's having difficulty with it she'll feed the doll, the doll and the actually... doll will do it for her oh cool and like wild her and advice weird. and like lead her along certain ways if she asks the, the doll for advice so like this is a really magical creature and it's helping her out a lot and I can already feel the spook and like it feels kind of spooky a little bit like because what we know of as as animated dolls can it's Chucky, well Chucky, <laughs> like you know all kinds of nothing usually nothing positive. But this doll sounds cool. Just the no, idea of a doll cool. being animated is kind of like it's it's there's a a, a scare in connection yeah. to most things that we know. But yeah, but not this yeah. one. This one's just magical. No. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's just a magical doll. Um, cool. So once Vasilisa and her stepmothers reach the age where they're supposed to be married, the stepmother refuses all of Vasilisa's suitors, telling them that she cannot be married until her older sisters find husbands first. Because, you know, Vasilisa's beautiful. She's getting all the suitors. The older sisters are getting diddly squat. So they really don't like her. And in hopes of getting rid of Vasilisa, her stepmother keeps sending her into the woods to complete different errands. And one day, wow, how interesting. Sorry, that's really interesting. <laughs> oh my god, because it sounds like li- like little Red Riding Hood stuff almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One day, and this is like you know, there's so many versions of the story. So, in some, they say that this is done accidentally and foolishly, and others, they say that this is done intentionally. But the stepmother puts the fire out, 
and there's no way for them to relight the fire. So she sends Vasilisa directly to Baba Yaga's hut to ask for fire. And she's trying to figure out how to get there. And, you know, she asks her doll and the doll hops up and down and like points the way and kind of tells her Mm -hmm. where to go and navigates to find her way there. And on the way, she sees three riders on horseback kind of dash past and they're dressed in white, in red, and in black. And she kind of just files that Mm. away for later. And she's like, that's weird. Like, where are they going? Mm -hmm. They're kind of like just dashing past her. So she files that away and she arrives at Baba Yaga's hut just before nightfall and is greeted by the Baba Yaga who comes down in her mortar and pestle Mm. And demands to know what she wants. So she says that she's come for fire. And the Baba Yaga is like, why should I grant you this request? And so she kind of like secretly, I don't know, it kind of seems like she also has this telepathic communication with the doll in some way. Because she Mm -hmm. asks the doll without Baba Yaga being able to notice. And um, after consulting her doll, Vasilisa replies, because I ask it. And so Bubba's really surprised by this, and she tells the girl that that is the correct answer. Oh, she's wow. She's like, what she's are you doing here? Yeah. yeah. Because I Interesting. ask it. Um, so she's like, yeah, that is the correct answer. Um, so she allows Vasilisa inside the hut and agrees to give her fire if she performs a bunch of tasks. But if oh, she boy. fails, she will be eaten. Eaten? So, boy. Yes. Wow. So again, you see like this complex duality happening with Baba Yaga where you're like, you have to do stuff for me. It's cool. You but don't do it don't properly. Child. Yeah. <laughs> so she assigns Vasilisa these impossible tasks, which she's able to accomplish with the doll's help. Like, and she essentially Phew. becomes a servant of the Baba Yaga for days. Like these oh. tasks take days to do Mm -hmm. and you know she in I don't even remember exactly what all of the tasks are because there is a lot of them but she has to make a feast for 12 people and she has to like clean this and do that like just like a bunch of stuff that takes days so she's there for days and oh that's so mm, cool (laughs) trying not to say interesting but it's really really is though (laughs) So she accomplishes these tasks with the doll's help, is there for days, and she's looking around and starting to notice a bunch of things, and she becomes curious. And the Baba Yaga, depending on what version again, kind of warns her that too much knowledge makes a person old before their time, or in other versions, not every question leads to good. So, but she allows Vasilisa to ask questions, which Mm. is like, again, you know, it's kind of like a test. So she asks about the riders that she saw during her travels, and she is told that they are day, rising sun, and twilight, and they live within the hut, and they go forth each morning and bring the day to the world, and then they come back. Oh, wow. So when Vasilisa thinks to ask more questions, the doll stops her. And the Baba Yaga then asks, like, do you want to know more? 
She says no. And Baba Yaga asks how she got to be so wise at such a young age because she would have expected the barrage of questions to come, which would not have been a good thing, right? Yeah. Like Baba Yaga would have then been off. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, you how did she be so wise at such a young age? And she replies that her mother's blessing enabled her. And then Baba Yaga freaks out. Because absolutely no blessings of any kind, nothing blessed is allowed in the hut. And she tells her to leave. Oh, boy. But oh boy, she sends her off with one of those skulls that she has around the perimeter. And these skulls contain a fire. Okay. Because she did pass all of her trials. So she sends her off with a skull. But she's like, you, you got to get out. You can't stay here. Get the, get the fuck out. Whoa. <laughs> nothing blessed can be in this house um but you know she keeps her word she vasilisa like completed all the trials she didn't ask an obnoxious amount of questions she asked a very poignant question which tells us a little mm. bit more about what Baba yaga actually controls right mm. and like how she brings day to the world mm -hmm. and so she's just like okay great i'm gonna go home now and she starts going home and she's looking at this skull and it kind of casts this unearthly glow and it freaks her out and she wants to throw it away. But then the skull speaks to her and says, don't be afraid. <laughs> Everything will turn out fine. Again, she's been gone for days at this point. And her stepmother and stepsisters think she's probably dead. They're, they're stoked about this. They're, they're living it up. They're living it up. They're like, yes, she's finally dead baba yaga ate her yeah when she arrives and arrives with fire they are shocked and really disappointed and like pissed off and they get back to treating her like shit and the skull mm, is just there it has the fire in its head but it's watching how terribly the family the family is treating vasilisa and that night it burns the stepmothers and sisters to ash this is like a twisted take on a fairy godmother, if I ever heard one. <laughs> but that is the story. That's, That's amazing. Story. That's such a cool story, actually. There, I it's feel a really like cool I story. So many, I see little traces of all these other little stories, but I don't know if yeah. those stories came out of this one or vice versa or whatever. Who cares? But it's such know. a good story. Oh my god! It's gosh. such a good story, and like you see. In the story, the Baba Yaga acts as this catalyst for transformation. And like mm. you have this magical doll who performs these impossible tasks. And the Baba Yaga who assigns them and who warns the doll against – or the doll warns Vasilisa against asking too many questions. And then she's provided with this magical skull that sets her free from the, her stepmother's cruel tyranny, and just, really. just burns them and not the whole house. So she still has yes. – yeah, because okay. it is like this sentient magical being, right? Like it was yeah. talking to her and being like, don't worry, everything will be fine. But also I I'm just so curious bad. about this puppet, like this doll. I'm so curious about this doll. Like it's so yeah. interesting because that doll is like, I want to know more about the origins of this doll. You know. <laughs> and the skull well, also, actually. Yeah. And this is where it gets really interesting because oh. – well, I'll say one more thing about the Baba Yaga in that, like, in essence, the Baba Yaga really exists in a lot of cultures, in a lot of different stories. Mm. You have a Baba Yaga-like character. A lot of people. Character. 
I've met yeah, that, that person before. Yeah. <laughs> More than one. But it, yeah, and symbolizing the unpredictable and like really untamable nature of the female spirit of Mother Earth mm. and of this relationship to women and the wild. Mm. Right? So that's like all I'll say about that. But then I'm going to like get back to later versions because that was a relatively early version of the story. Mm-hmm. In later versions of the tale, it's more the redemptive power and charitable works rather than the mystical power of the doll and skull that are highlighted. So oh, in 1916, a version that was included in old Peter's Russian tales, mm-hmm. um, yeah, <laughs> the, the stepmother sends her off to go see the Baba Yaga, but wraps some stale bread and chicken scraps in a handkerchief for her journey to visit the Baba Yaga. And when she arrives, she notices a servant of the Baba Yaga standing in front, crying bitterly, wiping tears on her petticoat. And Vasilisa looks, takes out the handkerchief, empties the scraps and the bread into her pocket, kind of shakes it out, and then gives the handkerchief to this servant. And then she sees... And, like, the servant dries her tears with it, right? And then she sees next to the hut a really wretched-looking dog. And she reaches into her pocket and gives the dog the chicken uh, – the, ki- the chicken scraps – the kitchen scraps and the stale bread. And the dog hadn't eaten in a really long time. And neither the dog nor the servant girl had experienced these acts of kindness before. Aww. And later, they actually help Vasilisa to escape from the Baba Yaga. So all of a sudden, the Baba Yaga is this more menacing figure. There isn't really much of a magical doll that's mentioned. Um, Mm. The magical stuff basically disappears from the story. And it becomes these charitable... Yeah, I know. But Christianity makes it so that these charitable Mm. acts are really at the forefront in later stories. That is so cool. I know. It's a cool story, right? It's a very, very cool story. And also I'm just like interesting how how it changes to kind of like the narrative is still that the girl, Vasilisa, she's still a, a good virtuous girl, but mm-hmm. all of those other elements kind of like disappear. And I also yeah. feel like there's a little bit of like Hansel and Gretel energy in this story with like the house and the eating of the children and the – but it also makes me wonder like – is a story like this created because of a stereotype of a certain type of woman? Like, I our, mean, isn't that I mean, the question we, we've been asking the whole time? Yeah, <laughs> like we, we, yeah, I guess so. We vilify, <laughs> we vilify women at a certain age, like once they're old in almost every story. You never see like a nice old lady, maybe like fairy godmother, but again, that's pretty recent. Otherwise, they're usually like these evil kind of like, are you, we say crone and we just automatically associate it to evil crone, but crone doesn't necessarily mean evil. You know what I mean? No, so it's like it's really crone cool. definitely doesn't necessarily mean evil. It just means and old. It just means old. I mean, some scholars have actually kind of linked Baba Yaga to more of a trickster character, kind of like when you think of okay. Loki as a famous trickster character of the Norse yeah, god. I, I could see it, yeah. You know, like she, she plays the villain, but she can also offer assistance. You know, she 
she still helps Vasilisa like and frees her from the clutches of the evil step family. But and she's really dangerous to deal with, like anyone who kind of operates on more of the shadowy side of the law. Mm. You know, they're they're difficult yeah. and kind of shady to deal with. You even see that in contemporary movies where but she can yeah. prove to be like this invaluable ally in dangerous circumstances. And so mm-hmm. in this way, she complicates the passive female nurturing role with like this, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want, outlaw power role that you normally see associated with men. Yeah. But it's true that like in reality, all women embody those certain things. And especially when of women are, are fed up with society and fed up with bad treatment, they become like more and more rigid and they care less and less about like, you know, or that's a generalized statement, but they can mm-hmm. be more and more just like, this is the way things have to be done. You follow that. I don't have time for other things. So it's interesting to see that like embodied in a in a character, in a witch character like this. It, she, she seems like a really complex character. And on one hand, I think she's fascinating. On one hand, I'm actually scared, like genuinely scared of her because I feel like I've, I've, this is I've experienced it. that woman in real life and I know that it's not a game. <laughs> it's, it's not, not a, a game, game, no. No. No, but that's just it. She inspires like, this awe, but also fear, right? Like yeah. there's a real duality with her. And she still does seem kind of like a weird fairy godmother. Like she still completes the stuff. And, you know, the the doll is a fairy godmother in a way, 100%. Mm-hmm. But also sending this skull and you wonder, like the skull is sentient, right? But is it the skull right. that's fully sentient or is it Baba Yaga like watching from the skull? You don't really know. That's never mm-hmm. really made clear if it's just like a reporting back. So I don't know. It's weird. She she kind of crosses this wicked witch trope with the fairy godmother trope to be like – I love it. Ultimately, I- like create a very unpredictable and powerful role, like more powerful than either of those. Maybe that's why – like to this day, I actually have to admit, if I'm being honest, part of the reason why I've never really – gotten into like that whole story like the Baba Yaga thing is because it's not that I thought she was evil because I don't actually believe in that but I just there is something about her that sets me a little bit makes me a little bit nervous but I also feel Mm -hmm. like she kind of embodies this like certain energy of like um a woman who is ultimately like frustrated or fed up or du- or just done or just not catering or not pandering to anybody. And that can feel mm-hmm. – we're kind of trained to perceive that as a threat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. It's very, very I think, cool. I think the character itself is also – It's very real uh, in a lot of ways. It's very it's real. Incredibly real. I think it's also a reflection on society at the time because mm, at that time, probably. more more than – we are accustomed to now, I think, you would really have to face certain initiations to move through stages of life. Right. Like if you're moving from childhood to adulthood or or like in terms of work, like becoming a member of a guild, you had to be called upon from a leader in your community and you would probably face some sort of tests that were given to you by elders. And this is more so in rural, rural communities, I would say. You would like... Mm-hmm 
be given these tests from elders to see if you were truly prepared for this new role. And so they, these elders were guides and mentors and the tests were not meaningless exercises. They were important trials to prove that the initiate was actually worthy of taking on this new status and simultaneously like challenging them in the ways that they are supposed to demonstrate themselves and that they were capable of doing more than they thought they were. And in a way, Baba Yaga kind of prepares people for this role because she's constantly all about the questions and challenging. Yeah. That ideology, actually, I still see remnants of that that exist in France to this day with with the crafts, craftsmen guilds. Like that, when you were just describing that, that's like exactly what more or less what Michael had to who is my yeah. husband sidebar um had to go through when he was um becoming a musée was at yeah at i remember him telling like, me all about that it was really really fascinating but i never connected still... that when you said it when i when we talked about that with you i never mm-hmm. i didn't have that idea in my head that that maybe was a on a, a way that societies operated a long time ago I never even thought I, of it that. It only came into my head when I was researching this, where I was just like, oh, this makes perfect sense because it That's was so guild societies, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've definitely gone through um, initiations in my life like that were not starkly obvious initiations like that, but I've, I've had like every major shift in my life has usually been pre- preceded by – a a figure that came into my life and was exactly, and I think that actually might be why the Baba Yaga thing makes me uncomfortable because it was exactly Mm -hmm. that. It was a nurturing that then developed into very like unsafe kind of situation. And that happened multiple times with me. So maybe that's why Baba Yaga kind of it, it hits too close. <laughs> it hits too close, yeah. But I think it is like so also cool. like we mentioned before, like the Baba Yaga is very much a personification of nature of of this wild woman. Really that cool. Can do like whatever she wants, and like she is in a very powerful role in that case. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It really does. It gives an it gives a really interesting kind of insight into that other side of things, like. Like I said earlier, like you said earlier, we tend to look at nature, for example, but many things in our society as all good or all black or all white and Mm -hmm. not in these like gray areas where this context, this story has a lot of diversity within it in terms of like Mm -hmm. what like what you would consider good or bad or whatever and that is actually way more realistic and it's way more present in like the natural the natural world than what we're used to it's very I'm gonna have to have a deep think about this oh yeah it gets it gets better you ready yeah sorry (laughs) No, no no it gets better because um in some folkloric traditions, it is also said that the Baba Yaga has two other sisters who are also Baba Yagas who live in her hut. And then be- Baba Yaga becomes a triple goddess in this fashion, embodying what? maiden, mother, and crone. Another name for Baba Yaga is Keeper of Water of Life and Death. Okay. So Keeper of Water of Life and Death, a common pattern that is encountered throughout like the myths of folklore is that when a hero is assassinated with a sword or by fire, 
They can be sprayed with the water of death, um, Mm. which instantly cures all of their wounds. Then they are bathed in the water of life, granting rebirth. So she is the keeper of that. Oh, wow. Kind of like another, yeah, very, very powerful. This like she is between, again, the lower world and the middle world. Mm-hmm. So kind of like a Persephone that is yeah. with floating between worlds, right? And that's why mm-hmm. people kind of tie her back to that. Mm. And, um, you know, I had mentioned that she is surrounded by her, her hut, surrounded by posts with skulls on them. In a lot of the stories, it says that there are 12 posts representing the time of passage, the 12 months through the year. And remember those oh. riders, she controls the day. So right. she is this, she's really important when marking passage of time and is it's also, really cool. it's really, really cool. She's like a very, she is um, also supposed to be a very accomplished weaver which is why yes. she's seen at her wheel a lot. So she's weaving time. Yeah. Okay. It's really, really interesting. And it's um, really cool. This whole part about um, her being like, it just really connects that whole earth element idea. Um, and it just seems like a, a way more complete in a lot of ways, even though it's like a kind of like a legend we don't have a ton of information on. It seems like quite complete in the ideology of what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And like way more complete then, than the concept of like, let's say Gaia, for example. Yeah. With yeah. The, what we know today as Gaia, which is very much like nurturing earth mother, which is of yeah. course a real element, but it's not like maybe not the full. No, because Baba Yaga also encompasses this darkness. And it's yeah. it's only through examination of that darkness that you can hope to be reborn. So it crosses like it, it crosses your comfort zone. You visit your shadow self, right? Like you were talking about it previously. It's only when you visit the shadow world and kind of like connect with that dark side of yourself that you can empower yourself spiritually, that you can empower yourself psychologically and emotionally you know what Mm -hmm. I mean so it's you see it here too so she's this like old crone guardian of the water of life and death and in that she's this goddess of death and birth and again the seasons are cyclical autumn Mm -hmm. and winter bring death and then spring and summer bring renewal Mm -hmm. um so there are stories where she kind of sings while sprinkling corpses with water of life to get them to be reborn. And she's really scary to look at and is wild and untamed, but also can be kind if she chooses to. Yeah. Basically right. you got to work for, you got to earn her trust or earn her good graces, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So she has this guise as a wise hag and she sometimes gives advice or magical gifts Two heroes and the pure of heart, but the hero or like the the main figures and stories around the Baba Yaga often enter her domain searching for some sort of knowledge and truth, which wasn't mm. necessarily the case in, in Vasilisa exactly. Mm-hmm. But then she does have the opportunity to ask questions because she's Baba Yaga is just like all knowing and all seeing. She weaves time. She's a weaver. She's this guardian spirit. Um, cool. An arch. Rome, goddess of wisdom, death, bone mother. I don't know. She's like very wild. She sounds cool as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I know. 
And she's got these and connections. I'm slightly intimidated as well. <laughs> Which I think is a, probably a good way to approach the situation. <laughs> I love it. I like I like it. And I think when, you know, we've done a lot of exploring of these. Um, it's really intriguing because we've done a lot of exploring of these, uh, a lot of Roman and Greek kind of legends where things are just so compartmentalized. Goddesses mm-hmm. are so compartmentalized and it's like the goddess of a nice fluffy thing, or it's a goddess of like something dark and heavy when the reality is probably at one point, like, and before all of this division they probably are all one in the same, right? Like, yeah, because you can be more than one thing. And if, if anything yeah. in this series, if you should take away anything in this series, if you're a girl listening to this, it's like you can be more than one thing. <laughs> you can embody all of If you're things. anyone listening to this, I think like any yeah. anyone at all, you can be more than one thing. Whatever society has laid out before you, you can be more than that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's okay. That's, that's inclusive of everyone. You're allowed to be like the full diversity of yourself, no matter who you are. And yeah. and trying to like decompartmentalize you into one idea or one thing or one niche, which our society loves to do, mm-hmm. is kind of bullshit. So don't do like you don't have to subscribe to that. If we could actually break that in our society over the next like hundred years or so, that would be awesome. Wow. That'd be so cool. Yeah. I'd love to come back and visit as like <laughs> a little water. Sentient when that sentient happens. skull. I don't know. <laughs> sentient skull of knowledge. I mean I'd oh, love you to have you burn your oppressors. <laughs> be sweet. And yeah, it's so interesting. You're like, that yeah, magical- I would love that. I would love that. It would be really, really cool. It would be creepy as fuck. And uh, again, I'm like, is, is the skull its own magical sentient thing or is Baba Yaga watching and deciding like, okay, or does she provide this gift and, and just trust that the skull will – do the right yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm very curious like, to know more about the skulls, but I realize that there's not the always skulls so and the much. magical dolls. I'm like, what? There's got to be some like maybe like um there's got to be some maybe symbolism to that that maybe we just don't know cuz those are not really Very very possible, very possible because they're in the older tales which are harder to find now. Mm-hmm. They've become a little harder to find and the mm-hmm. Christianized versions are the most recent, so Stop it with that. I know, right? I mean, like, I one thing I've noticed from doing all these explorations is like, first of all, Christianity didn't invent the wheel. Like, no, gosh, no. They didn't invent the wheel on any of this stuff, but we lose a lot of these really cool extra details because of their implementations and because Mm -hmm. of the the ways that they changed and shifted things. So that part kind of um it's good that we still have some record but but yeah it'd be cool to well I think ultimately what's going to happen is especially now with like people the way we are in society we we all kind of feel a lot of us feel the same not all of us but many of us feel the same and we're trying to find ways back to that stuff so I mean Mm -hmm. uh forgotten but not lost maybe yeah Yeah. (laughs) being rediscovered Yeah. A lot of things are being rediscovered for sure. Well, yeah. 
that is some more information on Baba Yaga because I was always kind of confused by this character and I didn't ever really do a deep dive. I really, really wanted to learn more because I've been so fascinated and I continue to be fascinated and perplexed and wanting to know more. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I still want to learn more actually. So that's so cool. Very interesting. Fantastic story. Great story. Yeah. Maybe it might story. be one of my faves so far actually. Yeah, because it's I just, just so I just really like unpredictable you can see so many. Unlike, yeah, yes. yeah. There's parallels to things that we've we've heard of before. It's but it's told in a way that's really unlike anything else that we've heard before. Which the is really older cool. we get into stories, we start to realize that stories we follow an arc in our in modern storytelling follows mm -hmm. a certain arc. But like the closer you get, the deeper you get into like a cultural story. That's really reserved or preserved from the actual culture they often don't have those kinds of arcs they can kind of just go mm -hmm. in any which way because they're just meant to take in they're meant to receive new um information and share new information with the listeners uh based on what people are learning as they're going right so they add things mm -hmm. to it and they add something from there and there and you know, so, and, and it doesn't necessarily have a structure. I love a good structured story arc and I get why we do it that way. And it makes a lot of sense, but I also think it's really cool to just hear these stories where you're not really sure, like what that's there for. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and yeah. that's okay. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And I think, we're moving on. Are we moving on? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> does this mark the end of the season? I of the think Witch? it does. I think it marks the end of the season. Over. So stay. Uh, well, well, you can always come back. There's like so much stuff that we could do with witch trials, even. Um, yeah. But oh, for we'll sure. revisit this topic again in a different way. But yeah, uh, probably, yeah. Stay tuned for the next season. Uh, I'll just. You'll have to come back to listen to figure out what it is. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep it a surprise for now. Like, we know what it is, but we don't want to tell yet, so. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next time. We'll see you. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Allegory Story. And like usual, if you want to email us, email us at allegorystory at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, um, Allegory Story Podcast. Sorry, it's Allegory Story Podcast for both Gmail and Instagram. Find yeah. us there. And, um, you know, we're always looking forward to hearing from you. Yeah. Give us a like. Yay. Do all the things. So awkward about this. Anyways. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. But yeah, <laughs> we'll work on it, Mel. We'll work on it. <laughs> Bye. Bye.